Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks to my sponsors for supporting this program, of course, uh, Jolly Convenience Stores. Hey, it's that time of the year, creamies, yeah. A lot of the uh, Jolly Convenience Stores have uh, ice-cold, delicious creamies. Of course, uh, if you're up for a hot cup of coffee, you can get that too, or sandwiches, or any kind of snacks. And, of course, uh, fuel for your car. Casella Waste Systems, casella.com. With zero sort recycling, helping to keep out of the landfill. We're going to be talking with Jeff Weld today from Casella Waste about the very exciting event that they've got coming up. And if you want to do some traveling, uh, check in with uh, Scott Milne, Milne Travel. Milne Travel American Express. They've got the lowest airfares via databases exclusive to the travel industry and a new sponsor of Travels with Charlie. Thanks to my friend Tom Frechette at Catamount North, catamountnorthvt.com, truck caps, custom builds if you're a plumber, electrician, carpenter. These guys can do it all for you. they got the custom van slide-outs. Check it out, catamountnorthvt.com. Today's lineup, we're going to meet a man that traveled to the Poland-Ukrainian border to bring humanitarian relief to the fleeing refugees. Interesting story. We'll hear about that. Jeff Weld, as I mentioned, on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. The uh, event that they've got coming up uh, is on June 4th, I believe, but also... Uh, a free CDLB permit training workshop that uh, we're going to tell you about. So stay tuned for that. But my first guest today is the executive director of Run Vermont. The M&T Vermont City Marathon happens this Sunday in Burlington. Welcome to Pete Delaney. Hey, Pete, good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, uh, and this is like old times, you know. We used to do the uh, the Marathon Mondays, and here we are, and this one is for a marathon on Memorial Day weekend. It's been a while since we've announced that. It has been, Charlie. You know, it it's, seems like just yesterday, but it, it's been since 2019. Yeah, well, we did have a marathon last year, of course, uh, but that was a half marathon, and that was actually in October. That's correct, and we're looking forward to the return to our traditional Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, and we've got uh, about 5,000 runners that are signed up to come and join us. So we're building our way back to pre-pandemic levels. We're not quite there yet, but we're... uh, Making strides. Yeah, and and weather's looking good too. Now there is a a name and sponsor change, but not really. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. We were with the People's United Bank uh, for uh, several years since 2015, actually, and People's United Bank signed a new contract with us, a five-year contract uh, that would take us through 2024, and uh, since we uh, into that deal, People's United Bank has been acquired by M&T Bank, and M&T is out of Buffalo, and thankfully M&T is keeping a lot of things in place uh, that People's United Bank uh, utilized and was part of their uh, operating platform, and that includes the Vermont City Marathon. So we have a new name, but a lot of familiar faces, uh, Michael Seaver, who was with Peoples is now manning his, his same station for M&T and Kathy Sherling, uh, you know, our, one of our close contacts with right. Peoples will still be working with us as we move into the M&T era. Nice. So 
you know, the the only difference it'll it'll be a different logo, but other than that, uh, the same people. So looking forward to to working with all of them again this year. Is it an earlier start uh, than previous uh, marathons uh, time wise, Pete? Well, no, you're going to test my memory, Charlie. We, uh, I think that we had moved to a 7 a.m. start back in 2019, maybe 2018. So we uh, we are starting at 7 a.m. The start is going to be in Waterfront Park as opposed to our traditional battery park. So the course has been revised, um, and essentially we took what we used to refer to as our uh, four-loop cloverleaf design course, and we eliminated two sections of that course. We eliminated the Beltline section and the Hill section. Uh, and, of course, the Beltline was either one of your favorites or one of the most despised legs of the, <laughs> the previous course. Um, and we are now running essentially the south end loop and the north end loop of our traditional course, a little bit of modification on both sides. Uh, but the runners will be traversing that uh, route twice. Uh, so the the single loop of that course is 13.1 miles, so they'll be running it twice. And it's actually kind of a now a figure-eight design. So the course crosses itself uh, on Maple Street as runners are headed south and headed north, depending on which loop, uh, what mileage they're at. We're talking with Pete Delaney, the executive director for the M&T Vermont City Marathon, which is happening this Sunday in Burlington. Uh, and uh, if you have a question or a comment, you can join us right here at uh, WDEV, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. So, Pete, the the changing of the uh, of the course, did any of that have to do with the the half marathon that you did last year, of course, the start and finish, both in Waterfront Park and mimicking that again this year. Did that have any uh, effect on that? Uh, it certainly gave us an opportunity to give it a dry run. Uh, we didn't know if we would be looking to utilize that course for this year. Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback from runners from last fall. And then when we look at some of the other conditions that influenced what is the course going to be? We said, well, um, it worked out well enough that we'll we'll continue ahead with it, at least for the time being. Yeah, and of course, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the Beltline, uh, you know, it, it had a nickname. It could be called the frying pan on a day where there was plenty of sunshine and lots of heat. There's no shade out there. There's no shade out there, but, you know, I have to, I have to defend the Beltline because it was one of my favorite portions of the old course. It was the only place where you can see, no matter how fast or how slow you are, where you get to see everybody else in the race. And, you know, if we go back to 2018 when we had Ned Kopleski here, I remember getting stories after the race from all our runners. I saw Meb. He gave me a high five when we were out on the Beltline. That made the day, if not the running career, for a lot of people. Oh, I'm sure. So, um, you know, we've talked about this before with changing the course. And, and you know, over the course of the years, there have been a lot of changes, some of them, uh, you know, kind of last minute. I remember we had some where, it, uh, well, there was some flooding going on, and you had to do last-minute changes, and it's not like you just move it. I mean, all of this has to be – somebody has to get out there and actually certify the mileage, correct? Uh, yep. Uh, race has to be certified uh, with the mileage. There's no question about it. And uh, we've uh, more or less completed all the homework on that. Uh, and the paperwork has been submitted to USATF. Uh, of course, has got to be certified for people looking to submit qualification times for entry into Boston and to make sure you've got a valid 26.2 miles. Uh, no matter uh, what you do with the course, it still has to add up to 26.2 if you want to have a marathon. So do they, do they do that by GPS or is somebody out there with one of those wheels? You know, when they come out to measure for a fence at your house and they, they, <laughs> they, they got the guy, somebody had to walk 26.2 with the wheel. <laughs> it's actually uh, somewhere in between. GPS is not accurate enough and we will frequently see um, statements from runners post race that our course is too long. Uh, and they're, re uh, they're relying on feedback from their watch, whether uh, 
it's a Garmin or whatever it may be, their Apple Watch, uh, and those just aren't accurate enough to use for USATF standards. Wow. So the standards uh, indicate that we have to have a certified measurement. Uh, so we use what's called a Jones counter, which is mounted on the front wheel of a bike. And then uh, when you measure the course and you do it by sections, uh, someone riding a bike has to go to a location where there's a certified mile. They ride that mile three times, and they have to get the same number of clicks on the Jones counter in order to, you know, there's a, a margin of error that's acceptable. But um, So you do that um, three times, and if your uh, number of clicks on each of those is acceptable, then you go out and you measure your course. You have to do ride the course twice. And again, the number of clicks on those sections of the course that you're measuring have to be within the margin of error. And then at the end of that, uh, you go back to the certified mile. You ride your certified mile three times again. And if your margin of error is still acceptable, then you've measured that portion of the course. It all gets done in, as I say, in sections. It's submitted via uh, more or less a handwritten map with all of the data for each section. Uh, and that is how it is submitted. Uh, and the USATF standards dictate uh, how far uh, you're, how far off the curb you have to be on tangents and, and all those kinds of um, little variables so that you have what's referred to as an SPD or shortest possible distance that equates to 26.2 miles. Wow, very precise. Uh, Tim Bomba, the uh, the voice of the marathon, my co-anchor for many, many years, joining us on the phone line here at WDEV, one 291 8255 if you care to join us. All the way from the West Coast, just getting out of the bed uh, or getting out of the ocean. I don't know. Bomba, how you doing? I, I want to meet the guy that invented this Jones counter. I want. I want to. <laughs> I want to see the genius behind this. Thing. <laughs> like you just wake up some morning and you go, you know what? If I put this clicker on the back of a bike, <laughs> which nobody else has ever thought of, I can figure out how to measure out a marathon, which nobody else has ever thought of. And yet somehow when Pheidippides ran this, what, a hundred and some years ago in Greece, it, it all worked. Of course, he died at the end of it, but everybody else is fine. Um, <laughs> good morning, everybody. Pete, good morning. Charlie, good morning. Good morning to you, uh, West Coast, uh, Tim. Uh, getting ready for the for the big weekend here. You've been keeping busy, I'm sure, um, you know, in covering races and uh, uh, soccer matches and basketball matches out on the West Coast. Uh, looking forward to having you back here in the 802. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been very fortunate, um, you know, working with different college teams uh, at, at different sports. Uh, some of the ones we've been working with, you know, are going on to, to like UCLA softball is going on to hopefully, you know, the Nationals. Um, but, yeah, the uh, you know, we, we uh, all of us have sort of had a trial run at this new course, uh, you know, back in October. And uh, from what I know, you know, after so many races, you know, we're, we're – diminished or whatever over the last couple of years because of covid uh from what i learned what a month ago or two months ago the marathon portion of the vermont city marathon now the m&t bank vermont city marathon uh the, the marathon portion sold out very quickly I, I believe there's still relay spots but to see a race come back this quickly and sell out a marathon portion is, I mean, this is a rarity right now. That shows you how well run this organization is. Are you, you reiterate on that, uh, Pete, that uh, it, it, it sold out very quickly this year? Uh, we had spaces in the marathon until a few weeks, excuse me, a few weeks ago. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, and, Two-person relay is sold out as of uh, this morning, and we've got, I think, three spots, three or four spots left in the five-person relay. So um, we're very close to being closed uh, for registration, uh, and I, I would like to characterize it as uh, being being an early sellout. Um, but it took some time, yeah. uh, mostly because, well, there's been a lot of new interest. We had a lot of folks who were deferred from prior years, and it's taken them some time to decide, am I going to run, am I going to wait, or, you know, what's the case going to be? Pete, will the uh, all the uh, waterfront uh, 
uh, festivities uh, still be, will they be back to like 2018? Uh, very close. Uh, we'll have some food vendors down the waterfront. The beer tent will be up and running. Of course, the M&T uh, Bank hospitality area will be there. And we hope that we'll, you know, I'm pretty sure the T-shirt gun is coming out. Oh, baby. So, uh, <laughs> I think we'll, uh, I think we'll have most of the festivities up and running. Well, we're talking with Pete Delaney, the executive director for the M&T Bank Vermont City Marathon. That's happening this Sunday uh, in Burlington. And some, some changes for you. If you're just uh, finding out, then you, you show up at Battery Park and go, where is everybody? Uh, it'll this year, uh, just like it was last year for the half marathon, start and finish at Waterfront Park. Uh, you know, Tim Bamba, who's joining us on phone line here from ca- California, Tim and I have been doing this together, uh, announcing uh, the race for many, many years together and having lots of fun doing it. And it seems like uh, there's always some different change, whether the moving the finish line or and now it's we've got the start and the finish together. I don't know about you, Tim, but I'd like to hear your, your thoughts. Uh, I actually like the start and finish together at uh, Waterfront Park. What about you? Well, we get a chance uh, with this new course to see the runners coming. If I understand it right, they're going. If you're doing the full marathon, you're going to run not only start where we are. You're going to run by to begin your second lap where we are. So we're going to see the runners coming by a second time, you know, to get back on their second half, and then we'll see them come by yet another time as they're coming into the finish shoot, you know, for their last uh, what is it, uh, 250 feet or so. So we're going to get a chance to see plenty of these people. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Batgirl will show up and, and many of the other regulars. So yeah, we're, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be, I think, much more of an integral part of the race going on because we're going to see them not only at the start and the finish, but at the halfway point. Well, you know, we've always uh, seen runners, you know, passing by the, the start line, uh, more than once, uh, but, Again, this it's all in one area. Everybody can just assemble in waterfront, and uh, and they can stay there. And we don't have to, you know, they don't have to move. You don't have to set up equipment twice. So, you know, from our point of view, it certainly it is uh, is much easier. But it's a it's just a beautiful sight down there by the by the waterfront. You know, for people that are coming from all different parts of the country. And Pete, uh, you know, we've 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 had them from we've had international runners here. Uh, are you seeing a lot of uh, national interest again in the in the marathon? Uh, I think we've got 45 or 46 states represented in the field, five different countries, and uh, we've got uh, three-time winner Tyler Andrews returning to the field. We've got 2019 champion uh, Sergio Reyes retiring returning to the field. Sergio is now 40 years old, so not only is he a threat for the overall, but he's a threat for a new event record for Masters. Uh, we have the 2018 second-place finisher in the women's field, Anne-Marie Tuxbury, returning. We've got Alicia Dana, who holds the course record for uh, hand cycle. Uh, so we've got lots of exciting elements to, to this event coming back. We're going to have a race that's worth watching. Absolutely, and and worth uh, listening to. And we're going to talk more about uh, the Vermont City Marathon with Pete Delaney coming up right after this break. Keep it right here on WDEV Travels with Charlie. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Jolly convenience stores. With over 40 in our area, there's always one nearby. And they're more than a quick stop. Proudly supporting local charities, community events, and our military. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile, even behind that mask. Stop by today. You'll be glad you did. And we are back. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo, talking with Pete Delaney, Executive Director for the Vermont City Marathon, that's a tune by Chicago. Corm's always trying to fool me here, stump the band. Of course, you know, I can always rely on Tim Bamba, who's joining us on phone line from California, who will be joining me on a Sunday, uh, doing the announcing and also playing the music, you know, and, and getting all the runners, uh, keeping them, uh, keeping them motivated, uh, 
Tim, that's an important part of uh, of the race. You know, it's not just announcing people across the finish line or starting the race, but it's that music, it's that beat that you've, you've constantly got going in the background. Uh, you know, it's it's so much has changed in the last five to ten years. And Charlie, you know, I, I know that you come from you were a DJ in a club, and what we're seeing from an announcer stage is the marathon. You know, maybe twenty years ago it was, it was a run, and some of your friends showed up and. You know, then when you were done, everybody went home. This is now entertainment. You know, we have a crowd in front of us that we have to keep entertained, dancing. We, You and I are constantly reading that crowd. Yeah. You know, are they moving to the music we're playing? If not, we swap, swap the music. Um, and, and we're looking at the, you know, the age groups out there. Is it more this or is it more that? And we're always adjusting for that so that, you know, what it becomes now is one massive um, you know, entertainment like a party. Uh, and I know we've talked about this before, that if um, you don't have to be a runner to come down and appreciate what's going on down there on Sunday, you can just come down for the experience. There's going to be plenty of music going on, and it, it's going to be big. Um, there's a lot of people dancing. There's, you know, the, and the finish line is indeed for the runners as much as it is for the spectators. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've seen this more and more. The spectators now are staying around. Yeah. You know, they want to be part of that experience. They're well, staying around for other runners. And, and the runners yeah. appreciate that. I mean, you know, we see that as they're com- coming across the finish line, and especially the ones that are in the, you know, the two hours, the three hours out, the four hours out, the five hours out, as they're running across that finish line. And the the audience, the spectators are there cheering them on. That really uh, just motivates them, and, 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 you know, they've got smiles across their faces. Pete, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Community Spirit Award. I know that's going to be continuing this year, you know, the residents that show the most spirit, and that's one of the things that people like about uh, the Vermont City Marathon and running in this marathon is the, the involvement of the community. They're out there, whether they've got hoses out or even some bands that set up on the on the course, right? Absolutely, the uh, the official unofficial band of the Vermont City Marathon is rumored to be in rehearsal once again, so that they'll be out. I believe in Lakewood State, Lakewood Estates. I think Sciatica has um, had some jam sessions. That's what the rumor mill has it. So, um, for those people in the in the other neighborhoods, if if you want to capture that community spirit award, you better get your A game on. Sciatica's warming up and. Uh, thanks to our friends at M&T Bank, there's a $500 donation at, at stake for the community that gains the greatest amount of support from the runners in the post-race uh, social media feedback. So nice. we'll be looking for anybody who wants to um, win some love from M&T Bank. You'll have your opportunity. And and Lakewood Estates, they've uh, they've won that award quite a few times, have they not? They have. It's a that's a challenge to overcome the fine folks of Lakewood Estates. Well, and, and I know some of the folks uh, from Lakewood Estates. Uh, they've they 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 kick it up a notch. I mean, they get T-shirts made up with their name on it and everything. So, you know, another important aspect, uh, Pete Pete Delaney from the Vermont City Marathon M and T Bank Vermont City Marathon with us is the the volunteers. And you know, we don't talk enough about them because they're kind of the unsung heroes. They're out there in the background, uh, you know, doing the setup, doing the teardown, doing the cleanup. Uh, and this marathon couldn't happen without them. And if you still need volunteers, let's put a call out for volunteers. Absolutely. We still need volunteers. We need course monitors. We need uh, volunteers for the green team. We want to make sure that we leave this place just as beautiful as it is. After we're done with the event, uh, we need folks uh, to help with aid stations. We need folks for packet pickup at the Sport and Fitness Expo on Friday and Saturday. If you are interested in volunteering, just go to our website, runvermont.org, and you can see a volunteer tab, and there will be a listing of all the different duties we have available. And as our mantra goes at this time of the year, volunteer early, volunteer often, Lots of great swag for our volunteers. They're going to love the tie-dye shirts that they get this year. Everybody's going to get a coupon for a creamy from Burlington Bay. And if you register to volunteer before Thursday this week, your name will be in a drawing for a free pair of running shoes from our partner for the event, Hoka. 
Very and nice. We will be giving away multiple pairs of shoes the, uh, on Thursday for all of our registered volunteers. So lots of great stuff, and it really is the volunteers who make this race what it is, all the folks that come out, the community support is what we hear about from the runners all the time. What a great uh, vibe it is throughout the community, throughout uh, the course. It's the volunteers who make it happen. Those of us who work at Run Vermont in the office, our marathon command team, we just try and get everything organized so that our volunteers can make it all happen on race day. Well, and it's a big weekend of events too, Pete. It's not just the marathon on Sunday. You've got, as you mentioned, the, you know, the sports and fitness, the runners expo, the mini marathon on Saturday for the, for the youth. I want to talk a little, a little bit about that. And Tim, I know you were involved with that as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you want it to go to me or well, Pete? Well, Pete, you can, uh, you lead and Tim just jump in. Yeah. So the Timberlane Dental Group Mini Marathon is slated for Saturday morning in the Waterfront Park. We've got a two-mile, a one-mile, and a half-mile race. The two-mile race is timed, and we will recognize the first three finishers uh, in in the in the two-mile race. Uh, we will have uh, the one-mile race follows, and the half-mile race is a race that mom and dad can run with uh, their youngster. Uh, 4 to 14 is the age range for these events. Uh, registration is open through Wednesday for the Timberlane Dental Group Mini Marathon at runvermont.org. And really, if you haven't been to the Mini Marathon, it is the best part of the weekend, in my opinion. It is There is so much energy. Kids are having a great time. The parents couldn't be more proud. And I, I have to tell you that it's really the most entertaining part of the weekend. There's always something that, that makes you laugh and something that, that makes your heart beat just a little bit faster. Well, Tim, I'll let you wrap it up with uh, your thoughts on uh, that mini-marathon on Saturday that you're involved in. Uh, I remember the first one we did, and I, I you know, they, I was, this is the last kid coming in from the last race. I think he was seven. He was doing the two-miler. He was determined to finish, and this is indicative of every kid that's down there. He was last coming in. I went down to the shoot with the mic. As he was coming in, we don't know their names, but I'm calling his bib number. I remember it was 321. He made it across. His father wrote me via uh, Run Vermont, I think a day or two later, said that they went out to you know, lunch or whatever after, after later on Saturday. And he said that he kept his bib number on. And he said people were coming up to him, remembering that number being announced congratulating him. They said this was not one or two people. This was like indicative of Burlington, wow. like 20 or 30 people yeah, all, all, all during a one-hour lunch. That's how great the mini-marathon is. And to reflect what Pete said, if you haven't been there, you got to come down and see the determined look on these kids. They have one, one thought, and that's finish it, and we're done. And they just go. Pete, uh, I know you've got uh, some some things in, in coming up in your future, and uh, won't get into that uh, today. But under your leadership, I just want to congratulate you. Your years uh, at uh, Run Vermont, uh, you instituted the cowbell, of course, uh, the T-shirt cannon. We're going to see both of those uh, at the at the marathon this weekend, are we not? Hey. There is no such thing as a race without more cowbell. <laughs> we need more cowbell. If you've got your cowbell from previous years, make sure you bring it to uh, Waterfront Park this Sunday in Burlington. Uh, Tyco drummers still involved? That uh, We can hope to hear them out on the course? Absolutely. Tyco drummers are still involved. If you need a cowbell, go to one of the Kinney Drug outlets around Burlington. They've got free cowbells for you. And can you give us uh, a little hint on who's doing the national anthem this year? Uh, yeah, a little hint. Um, great group of harmony, and they'll be back for an encore performance. Fantastic. I saw them at uh, last year at the, the, the half marathon, correct? That's right. We, yeah. We thought Smokey Newfield did such a great job with the half that they ought to come back for the full. Excellent. Well, looking forward to the weekend. Tim Bamba from uh, the West Coast joining me on phone line this afternoon. We're going to see you uh, Waterfront Park on Sunday, and then of course uh, the mini, the uh, the mini the mini milers, uh, the mini marathon on Saturday. Uh, and Pete, we will see you as well. Everybody have a great week. And if you want to find out more information, or if you'd like to volunteer. 
runvermont.org, runvermont.org. Guys, thanks for joining me on Travels with Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much. And we remind everybody, volunteer early, volunteer often. And there will be more cowbell for all. Absolutely. All right. You know, and, and you should volunteer, man. It's, it's worth it just for the, uh, the, the creamies from uh, Burlington Bay. Now, coming up next, you're going to find out how you can get your CDL on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight right here on WDEV. Stay tuned. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millnetravel.com Gee, Corm, I don't know. Who is that? <laughs> Playing Stump the Band here with Corm on the other side of the glass. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. It's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff Weld, Director of Engagement, joining me on the phone line with a very important and fun event coming up on June 4th at your Grow Compost Facility. Good afternoon, Jeff. Tell us about it. This is a great event. I mean, kids are going to love this, too. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, uh, June 4th, soil liberation, we're calling it. Um, bit of an open house, bring out the kids, food trucks, games, get some free Ben & Jerry's, Casey's Bagel Cafe, um, you know, all in the name of, of getting people out to the facility, see how we make the compost, um, you know, pick some up and get your garden going and um, just have a good time with the community. It's been a while since we've been able to open our doors. And, right. You know, some of these events getting started back up. It's great to see all the all the faces out there. Now, this is at your Grow Compost facility, which is in Waterbury, US two in Waterbury, uh, and of course, you know, free food waste drop off Monday through Friday from eight to four, Saturday from eight to noon, but on June fourth from eight to one. This event's going to be going on, as you mentioned, with food trucks, games, and giveaways, face painting, ice cream, all kinds of stuff. But also have an opportunity to see how compost is made, and uh, and to purchase the compost if you if you'd like. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah, free of charge to to get in and and enjoy the day with with some community members. Um, if you drop off some food waste, uh, we'll be a part of um, donating a thousand dollars to the Waterbury Food Shelf. And then another 500 to the Vermont Food Bank. So everybody who drops off food waste um, will be will be donating in, in honor of those folks. Oh, so, fantastic! Uh, just a way to, to sort of give back. And thanks for doing that. Of course, uh, the Waterbury Food Shelf, we we support them, and uh, with the the Vermont Food Bank. Now, another event that you've got coming up, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Uh, this is, man, you know, if you've got somebody that just graduated from high school, they don't know what they, what they want to do, but they thought about maybe, uh, you know, getting a CDL, you know, their CDL, their, their B permit. Um, you've got a training workshop that's coming up at your White River Junction hauling facility, and you're going to train people and get them ready to take the test, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, so a while back, Charlie, we started the CDL Driver Training School, and we've graduated 60 new drivers to that program, got them their license, completely debt-free. And one of the things that we found is that there's still a bit of a barrier of entry, um, in, and that's getting the permit. And, and you know, so this is all around, hey, free of charge, no strings attached. You're, you're not uh, obligated to, to move forward with Casella in any way. The first 20 people who sign up for that program, we'll teach them how to get the, the permit. We'll help them fill out the paperwork. We'll get them uh, to the testing facility on June 23rd um, after three days of training. And then if they want to move forward with our program, um, we'll have a school opening up in, in July, a uh, class in July that they can uh, apply to at that point. So, you know, it's all about breaking down that barrier of entry and, yeah. and introducing people to hey, this is another opportunity. This is a career path that might interest you. Um, you're not sure what you want to do. 
you've got to be 18 years old and have a valid driver's license. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're really trying to, trying to build a sustainable workforce. And, and this is one of the ways that we're hearing, you know, gosh, I'd love to get my CDL. I'm not sure how to go about doing it. Uh, these three days are all designed to get you prepped for that. Uh, well, that's fantastic. That. And, and some great opportunities, as you mentioned, career opportunities, whether you want to do it with Casella or somebody else, you're going to get them ready to take that, uh, to take the permit, uh, to get their permit. And then within two weeks of getting the permit, uh, they're going to go to CDL school and receive their CDL. And again, as you mentioned, Jeff, all free of charge. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? We hear so many. So many young people that are maybe not going on to college, not sure what they want to do, don't want to take on a ton of debt. Um, this is a this is a viable career path. And we're graduating CDL drivers into a, a, a great career, a, a career with a ton of longevity, a ton of success, and 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 high paying jobs. Yeah, that's one of those careers that it's you know automation isn't going to take it over. I know they've got you know automated trucks and stuff that you know I still don't trust them to be honest with you. <laughs> you know any of that stuff. You know you're guaranteed you're going to have a good job uh, for a long time. So uh, again, uh, Jeff Weld with Casella Waste, the event uh, that we're one of the events we're we're talking about June fourth, the Grow Compost Facility in Waterbury, US two in Waterbury. It's called Soil Abrasion. Uh, that's happening. For from 8 to 1, lots happening. You know, bring the kids, uh, drop off your food scraps. They're going to make a donation to the Waterbury Food Shelf, $1,000 and $500 to the Vermont Food Bank. There's going to be free food and snacks from Casey's Bagel Cafe, face painting. So lots of fun. And then if you've graduated from high school and you, you're wondering about, you know, you know, job opportunities, CDL permit training work, workshop June 20th through 22nd at the White River Junction hauling facility. You can find out more information at casella.com about all of these events, but for the CDL training, casella.com forward slash CDL hyphen training. Great job opportunity, high school grad, casella.com forward slash CDL hyphen training. Jeff, you have a great Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk with you again soon. Thanks for joining us with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Appreciate it. All, All right. Thanks. Coming up next, Barry Noskow on his humanitarian trip to the Poland-Ukrainian border. Next, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Oh, yeah, you think you've got me <laughs> Skinnerd <laughs> or Leonard Skinnerd for those of you that want to be precise. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me today. Before we get to my next guest, I want to tell you about Catamount North. My friend Tom Frechette, uh, he's who's been there over 35 years in Williston, custom truck caps. If you are looking to uh, put a cap on your pickup truck or a tonneau cover or maybe you've got, uh, you know, a van that you need to customize. Uh, they've got racks for ladders, opening side compartments, all kinds of custom builds. You tell them what you need, they're going to make it for you. If you are a plumber, an electrician, or a carpenter, and you want to keep all your tools neat and everything in the back of your truck, these are the people to see. Ranger designed van interiors with slide-out shelves. I've seen these. They're so cool. Catamount North, the truck cap retailer of choice, and 
this is why people do business with them and they enjoy doing business with them because they are such great people. They give back to the community. Proud sponsors of Toys for Kids, Wounded Warrior Project, and others. Catamount North, 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. You can call them at 879-7172. Check them out on the web at catamountnorthvt.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. They've got thousands of satisfied customers. Open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, Saturdays from 8 to 2. They're closed on Sundays. Catamount North, Custom Truck Caps, 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. My next guest on Travels with Charlie traveled to the Poland-Ukrainian border to provide humanitarian relief to the fleeing refugees. Barry Noskow joins me on Travels with Charlie. Barry, thank you for joining me. Thanks for being here today. Yes, thanks, Charlie. It's good to be with you, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about it. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your trip, which you did recently. You did it in April, and you wrote about uh, Russia invading northern Ukraine in this report that you did. Russia invading northern Ukraine, destroying everything in their way, and a 10-year-old boy and his mother were forced to flee across Europe to the U.K. But there's a twist to that opening to your story, because it's not 2022, it's 1897, and who was that 10-year-old boy? Yeah, well, that was my grandfather. And as we've said so many times, history repeats itself, doesn't it? And this was back in the 1890s, when the Russians were coming through northern Ukraine and burning down the villages. It all happens all over again, doesn't it? Where people are forced to flee with nothing and forced to flee across Europe and find somewhere else where they can live, where they're safe. And in this particular case with my grandfather, it was a town just south of Kiev in a village of Koshavita. village was burned to the ground, doesn't exist on any maps anymore. Of course, we're seeing that again now in Ukraine. So many of these towns that we're seeing on the news are being completely destroyed. And those that have made it into Poland, two million of them that are hoping to go back, they may have nothing to go back to. Mm. So history does repeat itself. Barry Noskow joining me on Travels with Charlie. If you have a comment or a question, you care to join us, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-877. Eight two five five. So, what was it that moved you, Barry, to go to the border and to help out? Was it your your background, your your ancestry? Well, certainly it was my ancestry, and the, the thinking that uh, it could have been me there in Ukraine, it could have been any one of us. And I think that's what I learned more than anything else in, in the sense that it's, it's touched people in such a human, personal way, is that these are the same people as us. These are generally middle-aged people living normal lives, you know, taking their kids to school, going shopping, going to the shopping mall, going to the grocery store, going to the movies in the evening, and February 24th, in an instant, completely unprepared, the world is turned upside down. And I think it's that sense of compassion and caring, if you will, that led me to want to go and and bear witness to what was going on myself and to seeing how I could help, along with what I found out to be thousands of volunteers in Poland and in Ukraine helping out. And, And this is another sense of what you get is that the world is responding in such an amazing way. Mm, you know, especially in your report, you write how the city of Krakow has taken in about one million people. And, you know, I referred to them as refugees, and many people do, but you write that they call them guests. Yeah, they do, don't they? There's, there's a sense of wanting to make sure that the people that have come across the border are dealt with with dignity and not as we would typically think of as refugees being put in tent cities. Uh, That's the other incredible thing here is that 
the government has very little money. The Polish government is not able to help in, in many ways at all. But it's the private, uh, non-profit, non-governmental organizations, the NGOs, that have pivoted in the most amazing way to help these two million people in the country. When the tragedy first happened, we all saw on the news at the main railway station across the border at Shemesh, and the newscasters went down there, and we saw images of thousands of people sitting around in the train stations. But in a few weeks, they have all been housed privately with yeah. private donations. They're either in hotels, apartments, or as we've seen, the Polish people have taken them into their homes. That's amazing. And they've done this with this tremendous outpouring of private donations, wanting to give them a sense of dignity. Barry, uh, Barry Noskow with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. He went in April to the Ukrainian-Polish border to, to help these people that had fleed their country. You went with 23 other people. How did you all meet and organize this, Barry? This was a, an organization in New York, and, and uh, the leader of that happened to be my cousin, uh, or at least cousin by uh, marriage, and he wanted to go down there, and, and uh, we put this together. It's part of the uh, Stephen Weiss Free Synagogue in New York and the nonprofit organization in, in Ukraine, the Jewish Community Center, had helped to arrange this for us locally to meet. We met with the mayors. We met with government officials. So it wasn't just meeting with families, Ukrainian families themselves. We got a good idea of what was happening throughout different organizations and entities in the country. Any of these people that you met that had fleed their country, had any of them seen any of the Russian troops? Did you get to talk with them about that? We got to speak with quite a few Ukrainian families. Um, it was interesting because it's heartbreaking, of course, when you're face-to-face -face with people and they're talking about it. One uh, woman, probably 23 years of age, with a six-year-old daughter, she and her husband and her daughter in their apartment in Mykolaiv, which, of course, is in the south, close to Mariupol. We asked them, were you prepared for this? Not prepared at all. Mm. We said yes, but the U.S. was warning of this over and over again. They said yes, we heard the warnings, but we thought that was all politics. We never thought this would happen. And on February 24th, we heard these incredible explosions outside our apartment. And it was early in the morning, three or four o'clock in the morning. We didn't know what was happening we realized within probably five to ten minutes, she told us, that these were bombs. One had dropped outside just below their balcony. But they still didn't think of it as an invasion. They thought it was just something happening locally. So they got in their car and started to drive west, thinking they'll get to safety. Well, we now know, of course, it took eight days of traveling west through various checkpoints to get to the Polish border, of course, she had to leave her husband, who left to go back to fight. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, the, the trauma that they face, uh, a lot of these non-government organizations have set up safe houses, particularly for the young children who are going through tremendous trauma. And we went to one of the safe houses and saw the psychologists working with the children. Typically, they're getting them to paint and do uh, coloring drawings and so on to try and draw them out. But this is another aspect that we're not thinking of. They're trying to accreditate more and more psychologists because of the trauma that's being faced. Well, sure. Have they been able to, of course, you know, these, these refugees or guests, as they're referred to in, in Poland, as they're fleeing their country, as you mentioned, the, the males, if you're of adult age, you have to stay to help fight. So the, the families are separated. Are they staying in contact with them in any way, whether it's with a cell phone or through Internet? Yeah, this is, this is one of the, I guess, the pieces of trauma because they're worried all day long and they're constantly making phone calls. By the way, as an aside, part of what we saw at the border in Medica is that companies like T-Mobile are handing out 
free SIM cards, free data for a year, mm. for the opportunity for them to be able to call back and not worry about how they're going to be able to do that. That's part of what's going on there that's so incredible in the outpouring of support for them. Barry, I know that you've, you've, you know, you respect people's privacy, so you're not posting any pictures right now, but is there, are you going to have a blog or a website where people can find out more about your trip? And if somebody would like to c- contribute and, and help out for another one of these trips, uh, is, are you going to be doing that? Yes, as I shared my report in, in a private sense to family and friends, and there's been a tremendous outpouring. People want to know how they can continue to help. Situation is changing on the ground. When we went down there, we took a ton, 88 bags of supplies, uh, children's uh, diapers, women's undergarments, medical supplies. But in the last few weeks, what's happened is there's not that many people now coming across the border. That's principally because the western part of Ukraine is fairly stable. That could change if the Russians go into Odessa. That could create a huge population moving again west. Uh, so the, the big issue right now is funding these hotels and apartments, uh, both shelter and food. Just one of the NGOs that we were with, it's costing them a million dollars a month mm-hmm. to support the sheltering and the food. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's just one NGO. Sure. Barry, any plans to go back uh, in the future? Would, do you plan to go back at some point? Uh, I might go back. Um, you know, we plan to, we're working with the NGOs to find a, a, the best way to help them fund this. And we hope to post that on websites as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to make sure, as you said, we keep the privacy of the individuals yes. and of what well, some of the organizations are Well, doing. Barry, thanks for doing what you do. Barry Noska, who traveled to the Poland-Ukrainian border to help these uh, fleeing people out. Thank you so much for, for what you did and continue uh, continue safety. Thank you. Yeah, Charlie, thank you for letting me share this today. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Travels with Charlie, sponsored by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, and Milne Travel American Express. My theme song is written and performed by Billy Bratcher, my executive producer, Brad Ferlin, the director behind the glass, Steve Cormier. I'm Charlie Papillo. I'll see you in my travels. Next Travels with Charlie is on June 6th. We're going to be talking with Senator Dick Mazza, not about politics, But in our series, Vermont Grown, we're going to be talking about his general store in Colchester. Been there for, I I find this hard to believe, 68 years. Yeah, lots of lots of pies. (laughs) So have a happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. Thank a veteran if you see one. And thanks to those that gave their lives so we can do what we do today. Have a great weekend. I'll see you at the marathon on Sunday. Travels with Charlie, WDEV.